When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. On the show today, we will be reviewing the brand new movie from Grace Productions, The Essential Church. And after that, we have a few news stories to discuss before ending with an interview with Christian Podcast Community Executive Director, Andrew Rappaport. So we have a great show today. Let's get to it. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer. This is my beautiful wife, Nikki. Hello. And we're very grateful that you're joining us today. I will give a caveat. Um, it is raining quite heavily. <laughs> so you need the rain. <laughs> if you can hear the rain, if you hear some thunder, um, everything's fine on our end. But uh, it is storming, so bear with us, please. Also, if you hear our dog whimpering in the background, um, He's afraid of the thunder. <laughs> He's afraid of everything. So bear with us on that. But this is religionless Christianity. Uh, so don't let the name fool you, though. We ourselves are very Christian, very religious folks. Uh, but the world, and especially this country that we live in, is not. Uh, it's an increasingly secular place. And that's in part where the name comes from. So like Nikki mentioned on the show today, we're going to, uh, you know, what we try to do is look at the world and figure out how to live a Christ-centered life in the midst of all this craziness. And we're going to do that today, for the most part, by looking at this movie review, The Essential Church. Mm -hmm. um, so before we get into all of that, though, um, is there anything you would like to say? Um, yes, uh, Spencer's sister is moving. Um, so pray for safe travels for their family um, several hours north. Northeast, <laughs> yep. um, with a brand new baby, uh, like a two week old, however, maybe almost two weeks old. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just pray. Um, yeah. God be with them and nobody gets sick traveling. Just, yeah, we know it can be pretty bad on those road trips. So yeah, just pray for them. Yep. Pray that they get out of town. Fine. We're going to be heading down there to yeah. help them load uh, the U-Haul and all that stuff. So pray for my back. Uh, <laughs> yes. I'm sure everything will be all right. <laughs> um, but otherwise, yeah, I have nothing really to pray for. Life is going all right. Well, so You wanted to hear about what TMS would say about... Oh, yes, please pray. Yeah. Um, so for those of you that have been here for a while, know that I have been going to the Master Seminary. Um, Lord willing, I'll be a pastor someday, but I've been going to Wednesday night uh, church services, and when I showed up last Wednesday, my pastor, who is also a master's graduate, asked me if I would like to, apparently the master's does a mentor model, where you can essentially go to school, and your pastor is your instructor, and um, he's teaching another guy in our school through that model, and he asked me if I would like to um, join with them, so I've reached out to TMS to see if that's a possibility for me. So um, whichever way it shakes out, I'm fine. I'm happy with what I've been doing. Um, so just pray for us that, you know, the Lord's will would be done there yeah. and that we would be happy with it. Because if we wind up 
um, doing the mentor model, which I would love, very big fan of our pastor, but our dream for the last 10 years or so maybe has been retire and get back to Alaska. <laughs> if I go the mentor model route, we're probably going to be staying in New Mexico a lot longer than anticipated. So yeah. just pray for us that the Lord's will would be done and we would be um, happy to accept whatever he has for us. So that's a good prayer request. Um, now let's get our plugs out of the way and we will just get rolling on this movie review. So um, obviously, as we mentioned, we're going to be interviewing um, or we've already interviewed. So we'll be playing the interview for you guys um, at the end of this show for our Bible topic type segment. And that was the interview with Christian Podcast Community's executive director and host of the Rap Report, Andrew Rappaport. And um, we're members of the Christian Podcast Community, one of about 55 members. And it's a great place for you to go and find just good Christian podcasts from a whole host of different topics, from homeschooling to live call-in shows to apologetics to everything in between. So it's a great place for you to find some good podcasts from, you know, people that aren't Father Mike, <laughs> reads through the Bible or whatever that podcast that seems to be everywhere when you look for Christian podcasts. Um, these are better. So go listen to these. And then um, I saw this story here that I thought was worth highlighting. Um, extremists are dying or are destroying Indian Christians homes and shattering their lives. And it says here, since the beginning of May, ethnic and religious violence in, I think it's Manipur, uh, a state in northeast India, has resulted in the death of 142 people, the destruction of over 300 churches and hundreds of villages. And, you know, we talk every week here about cardinal contingency solutions and how you can reach out to them and get the travel risk management training so you don't have to go into a place like Manipure un unprepared um, because they still need the gospel. Even though violence is, you know, ravaging the land, they still need the, probably more than they've ever needed it. They need the gospel. Um, but that doesn't mean you just have to go in there with the Bible and a prayer. You know, that's not bad, right? That's a good start. But you can go in there well prepared and Cardinal can get you prepared. Um, they're the best in the world at it. It's what they do for a living. So, um, you know, if you're going into a place, it may not be Northeast India, could be the Middle East, it could be South America. Um, violence, violence against Christians is an ever present um, occurrence. So get yourself trained up so you can go and, you know, do your gospel um, missions work to the best of your ability. And um, the last plug here is the shameless plug. If you guys want to help the show at all, the easiest way to do that is just drop a like, subscribe, whatever platform you're on. If you're on the podcast and it allows you to leave a review, consider leaving a review. That stuff certainly helps and we'd be very blessed for it. And then if you, you know, want to support the show financially, we have affiliate links in the show notes. Um, you can just use those to buy whatever you want on Amazon, Christian books, and we get a small percentage at no extra cost to you. There's also a link to buy me a coffee down there. There's links to our t-shirts if you want to pick up a t-shirt. Um, all that stuff just helps us do what we need to do to keep this podcast running. And more than that, it lets us know that people are listening and they care. And that stuff goes a long way because these shows can be tedious at times to put together. Just ask Nikki. Um, all right. 
So there's going to be no news music necessary this week um, because the topic that we're discussing today is an absolutely wonderful movie that just released. Um, as Nikki mentioned, The Essential Church. And if you haven't heard of this movie, The Essential Church, you would be excused um, because it's not been released quite as widely as many other movies have uh, been released. Uh, in fact, it's in no theaters in all of New Mexico. Um, go figure, right? The uh, so sad. Yeah, tells you the spiritual state of New Mexico. Well, other states aren't having it. California. I wonder. <laughs> yeah, I wonder how many uh, theaters are showing it in California. That'd be interesting. But um, we were blessed to get a uh, invite to a local church that was playing a pre-release of the movie. So we got to see it a few days early. That's the only reason we're able to give you a, re a review right now is because we got to see it a few days early. So um, the simple basis of this movie is it's really about Grace Community Church's fight against the California state and the Los Angeles local governments during the pandemic. Um, that's kind of the basic theme of the movie, though, as we'll discuss um, that theme is only part of what the Essential Church movie portrays. So I'm super excited to talk about this movie. So we'll just go ahead and get straight into it. Um, what were your overall thoughts about the Essential Church? Um, I was just thinking about how important it is to see this. Um, I know I was reminded um, how overreaching the government was. And I just think people quickly forget um, about things like this and just move on, you know, other things, distractions or other news. It's like, like with 9-11 too, people just kind of like so quickly forget um, stuff like this. So it's good to watch for a reminder. I think we need to remember uh, this happened and be prepared <laughs> um, for, for next time. So um there was some things in there that I, yeah, I kind of forgot about, like just the hypocrisy about the mask wearing um, and the encouragement for that they encourage, you know, the the riots, but not gathering to worship God. Um, those are just some things. And I'm like, oh, yeah, there was just so many little things um, that we do. We kind of just forget about some of it. I'm like, wow, that really happened. What are we going to do? If this happens again, like, let's just not forget, like, history. Um. Well, and it's so fitting <laughs> for the Christian faith, because so much of our Christian faith is just, don't forget, look back, remember, right? Yeah. I mean, that's all of the Bible, essentially, is look back, remember, you know, come back from wherever you strayed. So, yeah, it's very important to look back on, you know, because we're not too far removed. And in some respects, we're still sort of in it. Um, right. But it is important to look back and go, Whew, yeah, that was wild, huh? Like, yeah, we forget almost. Um, yeah, but just to know what to do, um, why you're standing firm. Because I think a lot of people, you know, the churches didn't want to close, but they couldn't really explain why. Nobody had a good argument. They just knew, like, it wasn't right. Yeah, and I mean, now, we've talked before, you know, our church closed twice, and the base commander in the city, the mayor who attended the church, and like all these local leaders were the ones that wrote the church's letters and pressured them to close. You're like, 
Oh, brother. So, I mean, it wasn't just Los Angeles. It wasn't just California. It was everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So I just think we need to know why we're standing firm from, like, have a solid biblical perspective on why. why yeah, you're for sure. Not shutting your doors. And so. so my overall thoughts on the movie, um, you know, as you may have heard, as I was mentioning earlier, I like this movie, um, but that doesn't really say it well enough because uh, I absolutely love this movie. And if it ever gets shown in New Mexico, I would be more than happy to pay to take my family to watch it a second time. Uh, I actually wish I could because I was so busy writing notes. Um, not nearly all of what I wrote down is going to be in this review here. It's hard to write notes in that dark room. I was wondering what you were writing. <laughs> Somehow I got about five pages of notes written about this movie. So uh, I love the movie, and I think it's certainly the best movie I've seen this year, which I've, you know, I don't think I've seen a movie outside of this year in like probably the last four years, but... Recently, like The Nefarious and The Sound of Freedom. Yeah, so, you know, Nefarious was a great movie. I highly recommend it, but this movie was better. Yeah. Um, Sound of Freedom was an amazing movie, you know, number one at the box office. This movie was better, in my opinion. Um, so I highly recommend it. And I think it's better simply because it focused on something far better than those other two movies. You know, Nefarious was kind of looking at the demonic side. Um, Sound of Freedom was looking at the human toll that sin takes. But this movie was focused largely on God and the church. And I mm -hmm. think that's what just makes it better. But aside from that, I think the cinematography of this movie was awesome. I mean, mm -hmm. the intro to this movie right from the start is absolutely amazing. It grabs you right from the beginning. Um, and what's interesting is they even, at least for the movie we saw, I don't know if this is going to be on sort of the nationwide release, but the producer, I believe it was, kind of had a short little monologue about the movie. And this was Grace Productions' first movie that they've ever done. And you're like, holy cow, <laughs> this thing was awesome. Uh, right. So. <laughs> great just visuals and you know yeah. really compelling to grab you and i think that it being revolved largely around 2020 and the pandemic it just you know at least for me it took me back to a time when really my life changed um and it changed because my faith changed you know the pandemic is when i started reading bonhoeffer uh you know and that's the man who we've named this podcast af uh, after that was Did when you, you were deployed Yep, I was deployed right at the kind of right in the middle of 2020, you know, the back end of 2020, I suppose, right when things were starting to get pretty wild. And, you know, I was reading Bonhoeffer and, you know, really just kind of shook me um, from my sort of apathetic Christianity. So it changed me. And that's kind of the same time that I found John MacArthur. Um, and I started listening to him, watching him, watching others. And just seeing them sort of stand for God, fight for God during that time, it just changed my faith. Um, it's in large part the reason why Nikki and I believe the way we do and the way our faith has changed so dramatically. Um, it's why we started this podcast. Uh, it's why I'm in seminary today. And specifically, it's why I'm at the Master's Seminary because of what John MacArthur did largely during the pandemic. Um, I was like, that's a man that I feel comfortable following. Well, you know, so, if you go to one of their campuses, if we ended up having to go, they're not going to shut down if anything happens again. <laughs> right. You know that for sure. They're going to stand and fight. Um, so the movie was just great. 
And for me specifically, it brought up such fond memories of that time and the way that our faith really got deep. I just absolutely loved it. Um, so what was your best or what was your favorite part of the movie? I just like how they focused on um, just learning what worship is and how we don't bow down to the government and and how, you know, they were telling us how to worship God. <laughs> so just the importance of putting the worship of God first and how we are told, how we're told to worship God. And I just think that I've never had that explained the way they explained it in here, like the importance of it. Um, you know, how they pointed out that the government really just didn't want us to worship God the way God intends us and how we were told that worshiping God was not loving our neighbor. You know what I mean? Oh, how many like, times did you hear just, that? Yeah, just being in church around other people, like stay away from the body of Christ. That's how you love your neighbor is how they were twisting it. Um, you know, this that we were putting the health of others in danger uh, by gathering, singing, taking communion. So I was just thinking, like, if they hate the church so much, why not just let us all gather and uh, get each other sick then? <laughs> yeah. Quarantine us in the church. Yeah. But that's, um, yeah, that's not what it's about. So there was no there was no proof of this virus and what we were told. So maybe that's why <laughs> it was just about control and power. Um, so just seeing the spiritual battle, like Satan doesn't want us worshiping God. Um, we're to love God and love our neighbor, but they were twisting scripture. So it was all about loving our neighbor and not putting God first. So if you love your neighbor, you don't cause them to be afraid to worship God. So I just, just the whole part of them explaining, um, this is how we worship God. This is how we're told to, um, and we're not going to comply to any of it. Yeah. No, that was uh, definitely a good part of this movie. Um, and so my favorite part, you know, and I'll just say first that, you know, the theme of the movie again, overall was grace community churches fight against the government um, during the lockdowns. But that was actually only about a third of the movie mm -hmm. um, because the movie really addressed two other aspects pretty equally. Um, the movie addresses the so for the second theme, I guess you could call it that it addresses the Puritan movement and church history. You know, it looks kind of at the conflicts and the faithfulness of the Puritans and sort of what those parallels are for today. It kind of parallels the Puritan movement to today. Mm -hmm. Um, and now again, looking back on that time and over the last couple of years, I've grown very fond of the Puritans. I've found a great love for the Puritans and for their faith. Um, their steadfastness. I think it's very inspirational. Uh, so that sort of history on the Puritans was wonderful to me. Um, and then the third theme of the movie was kind of just the importance of the church overall, um, and not just for Christians either, but for society at large, the church is important. Um, so it told that story along with the gospel message. I think it just did it wonderfully. You know, so in light of all of that, uh, I would say that my favorite part of the movie was the history and the look back at the Puritans. And it was all sort of intermingled. You know, it wasn't like cut into three choppy blocks. It was just all woven together beautifully. Right. The storytelling was beautiful. The cinematography was awesome. So 
I think tying that past persecution of the church with the modern day persecution, I think was beautiful. And um, one of the phrases that the pastor or the pastor of the church that we saw the movie at, um, that he told us before he started the movie, is he said, look to the past, learn from the past. And that is what this movie, I think, was trying to highlight. Uh, because by and large, it, the movie, you know, the title can be a bit misleading. It wasn't saying that Grace Community Church was the essential church. It was saying that the church is essential. Mm -hmm. So this was right. bigger and broader than Grace specifically. Mm -hmm. Um so what was your worst of the movie? Um, well, the most upsetting part, I guess, for today, you know, um, just them going after pastors for not shutting their doors and just arresting them right in front of their wife and kids and the kids are crying. And I just, it just makes you so upset, like these officers thinking they're doing, I don't know, just the whole, the power kick they get and like having no compassion, like being there watching these kids, they're just terrified. And just the, I mean, everybody can relate. I mean, in the, the anger you, you feel watching that. Um, yeah, it's just really upsetting just seeing how People in authority, they have no compassion, no heart at all. It's just seeing the darkness of people's hearts. Um, yeah, that's the worst, I yeah, guess, and that they had to show. Good, again, to look back and to remind us because, you know, we're people, we love the police. You know, we're, we're big fans of the yeah. police. But it is important to look back and realize, you know, just how quickly that script can flip. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, we remember back during COVID where, you know, People were being arrested from town halls and stuff for not wearing masks and all sorts of crazy stuff. And so it wasn't just pastors being arrested because they wanted to go preach. Um, that's bad enough. But just, you know, it's important to realize while we're fans of the police and stuff, even that we need to be leery of, right? Because how many times have we talked on this show about just sort of that yes boss mentality? Yep. Go and arrest that pastor. Yes, boss. I can't lose my job. Yes, boss. Like, and, um, and it's interesting too, because the movie also highlights, you know, the Canadian police where can Canada is essentially, I mean, they're so borderline a communist state at this point. And they juxtapose that with grace community in the way that they sort of had built this relationship with the police where they were holding church services, where it was only uniformed police officers during the shutdown when the government was coming after them. They had the church packed with local LAPD officers. And they're like, we're not going to come and arrest you because they love Grace Community. They built that relationship. So it was interesting that mm. juxtaposition there. But yeah. yeah, we should always be a little bit side-eye at the old local law enforcement, I think. So, um, but my worst of the movie, kind of like yours, was the government. <laughs> Just broadly the government. Um, because I think this movie kind of like you know, Nikki was saying, I think humans, we have the tendency, you know, we have the saying that time heals all wounds for a reason. Um, and that's true for sure, but it shouldn't be in this case. You know, I think we need to remember just how tyrannical the governments were. Um, and not just, you know, 
national governments, but the state and the local governments were, you know, I mean, just our small little town there and just how, I mean, just how out of control you would think, and this would never happen, you know, maybe Jason Aldean and his try that in a small town. Mm -hmm. I wasn't writing that song in 2020 because all the small towns were just as nuts. Um, yep. So I think we do ourselves a great disservice if we forget or we sort of downplay the authoritarian way that the government's behaved um, in this nation and in the States during the pandemic. So I think this movie highlighted that wonderfully or terribly, however you want to look at that. Um, but one other worst that I have uh, and it was just a very short snippet in this uh, movie there. They included a pastor, and I won't give away who it was uh, because it was absolute gold, but this pastor mm -hmm. basically saying that the church has no command to gather. That was the short snippet. So you guys can go ahead and take a guess. Leave it down in the comments if you think you know which pastor made that remark. If you're on YouTube, Rumble, Facebook, or whatever, let us know. We'll uh, we'll tell you if you're correct or not. But it was just such an awful and such a perfect addition. Um, again, to see the way a truly faithful um, pastor stands for God's word and the way a modern so-called pastor just completely abandons it at a second's notice. So yeah. awesome uh, little addition there. So what were your closing thoughts or what are your closing thoughts? thoughts on the essential church i just think every christian should at least should see it absolutely um, if you have if you had a hard time understanding why churches um kept their doors open during covid you will learn why um and i think this movie will help unify christians and um help us to stand to together yeah. um if and when persecution comes when for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so my closing thoughts here, and I actually wrote it down while I was watching the movie. Uh, I just <laughs> wrote it down in big letters, was that our faith is so incredible, the Christian faith, you know, and not even just for specific people that, you know, some might consider giants of the faith, but just from, you know, the biggest giants, the Pauls, the Peters down to the lowliest housewife, our faith is awesome. It's so incredible. Like watching the history lesson of the Puritans and seeing those godly men and women stand for Christ against all of the, you know, the pain that came their way, the persecution, and even the death. I mean, it's just so uplifting. And that may seem like a backward statement um, and a backward way of thinking that persecution and death is uplifting. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just to see these stories of like these no-name people you know, these moms and dads, these sons and daughters, and they're just willing to defy kings and kingdoms, even to their own death, right? Just because they refuse to relent in their walk with Christ, like it's spiritual steroids to watch mm. and read and learn of those people. You're like, yeah. man, how can I not stand when they stood against so much more? Like, you can't help but have your faith strengthened by learning about the Puritans. And, and that's just one of the many amazing generations of Christians that have been right. around the world. And we're probably a bit unfortunate because we don't know all the stories of all the Christians, you know, the ones in China that are doing the same thing and mm -hmm. South America, the Middle East, Russia, right. and they're all doing the same thing. And 
it's just every time you hear it, you're like, I'm so lucky to be a part of that. Um, how awesome. You know, it's the Martin Luther, yeah. like, I wish I could have died for my faith. Um, so I absolutely loved that. Um, and I think in the movie, they also gave a good lesson on Romans 13. Uh, it's almost like a mini sermon inside the movie, which I think is very valuable for all of us today. And I think it really highlights the eternally important role that the church plays. We can't overlook that. And I think John MacArthur in the movie, a quote he says is, the church is the main enemy of the state. And boy, is that true, maybe now more than ever, at least in this nation specifically. Yeah. Um, so I could go on and on about this movie. Again, I have five pages of notes, but I don't want to spoil any more than we've already discussed here. But I cannot give this movie a high enough endorsement. Um, and even if you're the kind of person that thinks like, well, yeah, I don't really like John MacArthur, you know, whatever happens to be. So I don't want to watch it. Um, please reconsider. Don't think that way. Uh, because this movie, again, is less about John MacArthur. Mm -hmm. And it's far more about the church, church history, um, and all of that than just being about John and Grace Community. Um, right. They're a they're a lead in to a bigger picture. So yep. please do yourself the favor Take your family to the movie if it's in your local area. Take your neighbor's family to the movie with you. Uh, I think you'll be blessed. And more than blessed, you'll be entertained because it's a really good movie. So um, so why is this important to Christians? We always like to end on our main topic talking about this. And you know, I believe this movie and the message is important to Christians because we live through, and in some respects, we're still living through persecution. And the longer that it takes us to realize that, you know, the worse and the more prevalent the persecution is going to be. Um, you know, just a few years ago, we had churches facing massive fines from our governments. You know, as we mentioned, our neighbors just to the north, right, throwing pastors in jail just for holding church services. And, you know, we talk about the persecution that Christians face, face in this nation from time to time on this show and we really just scratched the surface of the persecution. Um, you know, it's happening in this nation. It's happening in Canada. It's happening in England. It's happening everywhere. Um, and it just seems to be ramping up in the West. So we can't be ignorant of it. And this movie takes you back to a time um, that I think is very important for us to remember. And then uh, what should we do about it? And I think the first thing we should do about it is recognize, again, that it's happening. Mm -hmm. Um so I think, you know, that's kind of right. G.I. Joe, knowing's half the battle. You have to recognize that it's happening. And I think this movie is a great place to start with that. Um, I think this podcast is a good place to start with that because we highlight it from time to time um, as much as we're able to. But I think also as much as we're able to, you know, we should be using our rights um, to preserve our rights in this nation. Yeah. You know, we've heard that saying before use your rights before you lose your rights. And I think this movie highlights um, that idea. Um, but then again, you know, as we talked about in my best, this movie also sort of highlights that everybody benefits from a nation that's more in line with Christian yeah. teaching, um, whether they're Christian or not, and whether they even know it or not. I mean, atheists will rail against the Christian faith, not realizing how much they benefit from it in their own life. And how much mm -hmm. they really take from the Christian faith and just sort of call their own. Um, they don't realize the benefit, but we do. So 
you know, fighting for Christian liberty in this nation is a benefit to everyone. Um, so as citizens, I think we have a right to fight for that. Um, again, we're Americans. We have constitutional rights. It's not sinful for us to use our rights. And it doesn't mean we get violent and we don't break out in riots or any of that sort of stuff. Um, but we use the freedoms that we have. We use the uh, judicial system that we have to fight. You know, we vote, we write, we speak, we do all these sorts of things. March, share your thoughts and ideas, you know, wherever you can, as often as you can. We should do that as Christians. Um, so we should be obedient to God first, of course, first and foremost. That's what we should be doing. Um, but also, we're Americans and God did bless this nation with an amazing constitution that grants us freedoms. So, and also, I mean, Christians died to give us those freedoms. So we should use those freedoms to preserve this nation as best as we can. So their death wasn't in vain. Yeah, it wasn't in vain. Um, I think it's it's right for us to do that. Again, I agree. not to the point of being belligerent or violent. Of course not. No. Christians aren't to do that. But that doesn't mean you don't push your, your freedoms as far as you can. Um, and I think that's why that discussion in this movie on Romans 13 is so very important. Um, because I've heard Christians even, you know, mention that to me, like, well, you know, Romans 13, right? We're supposed to submit to our government. God's placed them over us. And you're like, Man, I don't think you, at least it doesn't strike me the same way it seems to strike you when I read Romans 13. But our government so. isn't a king that gets to just make decisions. Yeah. And I don't want to give away their yeah. discussion in there because it's worth you hearing and you know, making your own decisions on, but I think they explain it quite well um, in there. And again, they even go back to church history and try to make a historical claim about why do we believe the way we believe? So really good. Um, and then how should we pray about it? Because Christians should be praying about everything. I think we should pray for godly leaders first and foremost. Yeah. Um, you know, we're told that, I was it Second Timothy, you know, pray for our leaders and that we would live quiet and peaceable lives. So we should be doing that. Um, I think we should also pray that we wouldn't be fearful and then let that lead us into, you know, allowing the government to walk all over us. Um, and lastly, pray that you would have the faith that stands even if or when persecution comes our way, because, you know, it's going to sooner or later. Um, so, we do have a few more stories, though, that we want to get into before we get to our interview with Andrew Rappaport. Um, but do you have any last final closing thoughts on the essential church before we roll on? No, you can go on. All right. Do you want to read this headline? Meet the pastor running for president. And then... Uh, yeah, read this first one. Ryan Binkley is a Texas pastor who is one of several candidates vying for the Republican nomination for president. While he lacks the name identification of other GOP candidates, he remains optimistic about his ability to make the stage for the first Republican presidential primary debate in August, acknowledging that it's going to be difficult. Yep. Ryan Brinkley, Binkley is running for president. And, you know, I saw this. We just had our episode not too long ago looking at the first Republican presidential forum and sort of the six candidates there. 
And we had our discussion on that. So I thought, well, let's throw Ryan Binkley in here as well. And the reason I wanted to make this case is more of a discussion with you, the listener, um, to see what you think about this. Because I think for me, I think anyone that would trade in a pastorship for political office, I'm just out on. Um, yeah. I, I think, yeah. you know. Like it's a calling. Pastor, a pastor. is a calling. That's like, and you don't, ab you're abandoning your flock. I don't know. And you're abandoning it to walk into a cesspool in Congress um, and the executive branch. Like, there's a great quote that I would love to send to Ryan Binkley, and I may do it on um, Twitter if he's on there. I don't know. Um, but it's from Charles Spurgeon. And the quote says, if God calls you to be a minister, don't stoop to becoming a king. <laughs> uh, and I think that is a absolutely wonderful quote. Yeah. And I just, you know, I can't personally help but think that your priorities are off if you somehow felt called to be a pastor. And, you know, they even talk about they the church that they're out at now, they planted the church. It's their church. They planted, grew from the ground up. And then you leave that to go enter politics. Ugh, I just, I don't get it. Because even if you think the country's off the rails, you do far more good in this world leading souls to Christ than winning or, you know, probably more like in reality, losing, you know, a budgeting battle in Congress. You do far more good in the church serving God's people. Um, so I'm not saying that I would never vote for a pastor um, that leaves the church to run for political office, but um, Ryan Binkley is certainly not the one for us. And that could be because of this paragraph um, that we read here in this article. Do you want to read this paragraph, honey? Binkley, who serves alongside his wife as co-pastor of the non-denominational Create Church based in Richardson, Texas, and is the president and CEO of the banking firm Generational Group, starts off as a clear underdog in his quest to secure the Republican nomination for president. So, uh, yep, Binkley co-pastors with his wife. So, I mean, my thoughts are, if you can't even read the Bible right um, as a pastor, I don't know what hope or why we would assume that you could read the Constitution right either. Um, so is his wife just going to stay in pastor the church? Yeah, is she going like, to be the lead pastor now that he's... Or is he going to be like um, the Reverend Senator Ralph oh, Warnock, man. who... Uh, you know, brings the Catholic president to preach at his Baptist church. Like, you're going to go that route? Um, so again, I don't really I wouldn't know even what trust he... him to be my pastor, that he doesn't interpret the Bible properly. But if you can't get that right, and you've been doing that for all these years, why would I assume you're some constitutional scholar all of a sudden? I don't know. I'm out on yeah. that. So what Just do you on that alone. No, I... But would you vote for a pastor for president in general? I don't know. I, I don't know. I really have to think on that more. I I would just really need to find out what the motivations are. Yeah. Why would you leave this church? And why would you do it for politics? Um, of all, And why would you do it for president? I could see if you're like, I'm running for mayor of my town. Okay, maybe. But you're going to leave all that for Washington? Oh. Like, 
boy, you're, uh, I don't know, just I'm out, especially on Ryan Binkley. But I am curious to know your guys' thoughts again. Let us know if we're being too harsh. Um, like we're praying for a, a godly, we want a godly leader. But Well, I think this speaks more to America in the way it maybe it just to me, it seems that America has such a low view of pastors and a low view of being an elder in a church that, you know, people, I don't know what they think being a pastor is. But to me, when I think of a pastor is like Nikki said, it's a calling. This is a life calling. And especially when you're planning a church and this is a successful church. I think the article mentions there's um, 800 members in this church. It's a big thriving church. And, you know, like, I don't know. I just feel like maybe that's my biggest problem is that so many people seem to have a low view of being a pastor that somehow being a president is a step up. A completely different role. Like being an overseer of someone's soul and then going to be the president. Like you're not overseeing people's, that's not your job anymore. Like you've abandoned, like that's just, I don't think I would because I don't think I would vote for a pastor. Yeah, I'd be like, oh my gosh, you're the most incredible, intelligent, godly man I've ever met. You should go pastor a church. Not you should go wade into, you know, Satan's bathhouse in Washington, D.C. Well, he's a CEO of a a bank. Some financial firm. Yeah, like, it's, I don't know. He seems like divided already. Yeah, let us know what you guys think. Uh, I'm out on Ryan Binkley specifically, but I'm like 51% out on pastors generally running for president. Uh, it, not saying it 100%, but not a big fan. Let us know what you think in the comments. Yeah, I want to know what everyone thinks on that too. So uh, the next article that I want to mention here is mm. just sort of a quick reminder uh, that the media is not to be trusted no matter how they dress themselves up. So do you want to read this headline? Exclusive Fox News whistleblowers expose companies' support for far-left charities. Yep. And yeah, just go through these three paragraphs here. Insiders have revealed to Blaze Media that Fox will subsidize some of the very activist groups that despise and seek the ruin of the network's viewers, evidencing a complete disregard and hatred for its core audience. Fox Giving is an app in the company portal that facilitates charitable donations via the Canadian-based donation management platform, Benevity. Is that right? Yep. Fox will apparently match donations up to $1,000 to various organizations that satisfy the company's criteria. While on its face, this appears to be little more than an attempt at corporate beneficence, (laughs) Beneficence, I believe. I I butcher these words sometimes. Uh, The company is willing to match donations to the Satanic Temple, the Trevor Project, Planned Parenthood, and local Planned Parenthood branches, and the Southern Poverty Law Center, radical leftist groups, anti-pathetic, 
to conservatives and the values they hold most dear. Did I say that other word right? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, okay, good. Nobody knows. <laughs> somebody knows, just not us. Um, but so uh, now, you know, in this wording here, it says, you know, hatred for its core audience uh, might be a bit hard, you know, might be a bit strong of the language there. It but can make some people feel that way, I guess. Certainly could. Yeah. Um, but there's certainly an unwillingness to stand for the values that at least the on-air talent would espouse. I think, you know, behind the scenes or even on a headquarters level, if you want to go all that high, right? Fox is just like a globalist ESG supporting corporation. That's all they are, right? They've just found their niche. You There's know? nothing good. It's just everything that we use or, you know, get info from, I don't know, everything is just it's not as bad as everything else. This is the the lesser of all the other evils. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, sure, at some level, because... And that's how you could look at it, but... Right, and, you know, because every corporation is filled with people, and people are sinners, and they're, they're led into sinful ways, so it's natural. But I do think, you know, obviously the bigger these corporations get, and they're global, and, mm -hmm. you know, we think they're American companies, and they care about us, but largely, they don't, right? They're servicing the entire world they care about the world's needs right and um and i just think you know this is kind of just also the idea of it's hard for a rich man to get into heaven you know you become mm. rich you make all this money and you start capitulating on maybe what you once believed or you know all these different things mm -hmm. that you make accommodations for um you know when i think fox maybe when they started right they probably stood and believed what they were you know preaching on tv or whatever happens to be but I think at this point, conservatism and this sort of stuff, conservative news is just the niche that Fox News fills. Um, so they placate to the conservatives, the Christians, because that's the niche that they're in. But by and large, on a corporate level, they're every bit, you know, CNN, MSNBC, and all these places. So, you know, on the one hand, you could say like, well, all Fox is doing is matching the donations of the employees. You know, so if one of these gifts go to Planned Parenthood, that's the employee's fault. It's not Fox's fault. Um, and I would just disagree with that. I mean, to me, this is sort of the the chosen's pride flag incident all over again. It's the same argument. Right. You know, it's it's like the argument that a company like Fox or even the chosen, right? They can have or they should have no boundaries whatsoever. They've got no standards at all. They can't say a word about what people believe. It's just everything goes. And that's just nonsense um, because it talks even in this article that Fox does have standards um, for their giving portal and all these sorts of things. So they have standards that people have to adhere to, just like the chosen has standards that people have to adhere to. They've just decided to not stand for the values that they you know, claim to sort of support on air. Um, so you know, because it would be very easy or very easy for Fox to say, um, listen, guys, we want you to give to the companies you want to give to. But like, we don't support abortion. So we're not going to match your contribution to an abortion provider. Um, we service largely Christian conservative Americans. So we're not going to contribute to a satanic temple that just goes against everything we believe in. 
that's very easy for a company to do. They just don't want to do it, um, either because they support it or they think it's not worth the fight. I'm not really sure what, but I would recommend you don't watch Fox News anymore um, if you're actually still watching it. Not many people are. Um, but, you know, don't let them use your money to go and support Planned Parenthood to go kill more children because your eyeballs are how they get their money, right? Mm-hmm. You watching gives them advertising dollars. Um, so don't give them to Fox. Don't give your eyes to Fox um, or your ears to Fox. Um, and I'm not saying that Christians should just wholesale boycott every company or whatever that even has a hint of non-Christian practices. I'm not suggesting that. Um, but I do think we should boycott the big ones, you know, the Bud Lights, um, the Targets, the Fox Newses, where you can boycott them and not really lose out much in your life. Like you can boycott Fox News and still get conservative news. You know, we reference the Blaze on here a lot. The Daily Wire exists. Um, all these sorts of platforms. If you like to drink beer, there's many other beer companies besides Bud Light. Mm-hmm. And if you want to go buy clothing items for your children, there's a million places besides Target to do that, right? You're not losing out on much, but you can make a big difference and send a message by boycotting these certain industries and stuff. So I think it's worthwhile um, letting them know, send them a tweet, send them an email and say, hey, man, I'm not in support of this. I've been a fan of Fox News, whatever happens to be for years, um, but I'm out. If you're going to be giving money to the satanic temple, you're not giving my money. Right. Um, you know, and plus, like I said, you got once Tucker left, what are you still watching for? Tucker's on Twitter. <laughs> You're watching for free on Twitter. Um, but yeah, just wanted to highlight that. You know, we bemoan the the media a lot on here. And uh usually it's sort of the left leaning media, but then here you go and you see, well, Fox News is kind of just the same. Uh at the corporate level, they're all just globalist ESG yeah. type folks. So um, we wanted to end our look at the news here with kind of a positive story. So, um, and this one is kind of just an update from story that we have discussed months and months ago. So do you want to read this headline? Jamie Foxx breaks silence in emotional video after hospitalization. I'm here on earth because of God. Yep. And it says, uh, well, just read that. Uh, entertainer Jamie Foxx broke his silence in an emotional video late this week after being hospitalized back in April with a serious undisclosed medical emergency. Yep. Um, so if you guys have been watching with us for a while here, listening for a while, um, you may remember that we read an article months and months ago now that said Jamie Foxx, and I think in that article, they said he had a vaccine-related injury. Yeah. Um, They said he was blind, said he was dying. (laughs) So uh, obviously, none of that, oh, I mean, I would assume that stuff wasn't true then, although he might have been close to death, um, because he does say in this article, he went to hell and back, is what he said. Um, But the article doesn't say exactly what he was sick with, necessarily. Um, but it appears that he's on the mend. Um, and more importantly, at least, is he gives um, praise to God for him getting mm-hmm. back. He says in here, I'm here on earth because of some great people. I'm here on earth because of God, man. I love y'all. Just wanted to, you know, whatever he said, he jumped on here. But again, not a lengthy, um, all glory to God and this sort of thing. Um and whether this is true or not, 
who knows, right? If he's this just means he, you know, probably called out to God and God healed him. Like it is a miracle. He's better if he was really in that bad of shape. That's good. He is giving credit to God. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's nice to see. I even sent him a tweet. Again, odds are he never saw it, uh, but I did send him a tweet and I just uh, sent it to him, tell him that you know we had put out a call to pray for him on this podcast and reminding him of um, Philippians one twenty one, which says um, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So I sent that to him. You know, we're praying for you. Just remember to live is Christ, to die is gain. So you never know, right? Um, what's going to catch a man's attention. I don't know Jamie Foxx's faith background, but I just think it was good to see, good to hear. Yeah, I'm really glad he's doing better. You know, a lot of times, you know, those near-death experiences, right, you can go one of two ways. You're either cursing God or you're leaning into God. So let's hope that Jamie Foxx leans into God Mm -hmm. um, through this sort of um, episode. But um, before we um, roll into our episode, pre-recorded episode with Andrew Rappaport, do you have any final thoughts on the show, any of the topics we discussed here today? Uh, nope. I just uh, really, really want to encourage you guys to find a way. Um, if you can't find it in theater, uh, in theaters, then watch it when it comes out to stream. But I would encourage you, if you can find it in theaters, go watch it. Um, support them. Mm-hmm. Uh, let them know that what they made was important. People wanted to see it. And I think you'll be blessed because of it. So um, let's roll now into our Andrew Rappaport interview. Well, we are uh, fortunate to be joined once again by the patriarch of the Christian podcast community, uh, the executive director of CPC and uh, the host of among many podcasts, the Rap Report podcast. So thank you for joining us, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to see you. Good again. to be here. Yeah. Good to see you again. <laughs> so well, I, get, I get to see you guys when you guys join the the Theology Throwdown podcast that we sometimes do together. So. <laughs> I actually was just thinking about that because I know we were sort of moving away from our previous platform of discussion and I haven't had notifications turned on on our new one. And I was like, well, you know, it's been a while and I wonder if I just missed something. No, so no, no. July, we, didn't, we decided July 4th wouldn't be a good day to... Oh. to record or just before that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's probably why. So no, we are certainly looking forward to uh, getting back on there. Uh, Actually, folks listening in the audience, we were talking about Spencer during that podcast. So go listen to it. We didn't let it know. <laughs> probably like, are we going to kick this dude out? I mean, are we in agreement there? Uh, probably a wise decision. Um, but no, we just wanted to start, you know, because the last podcast that you released was a very short podcast. Um, uh, explaining to everyone that you're going through a little bit of health uh, issues right now. So we're just curious to know how that's going, how you're doing right now. Well, I see two of you, if that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. But, you know, I mean, I, I still, thanks to the wonderful ways of medicine, I have to wait like a month to first get tests done to know if I'm going to die at any moment. Oh, that's like positive. Issue. Yeah, I mean, I, I had I had actually heard a doctor that said just go to the ER so you get quicker answers because so I have double vision which could be a brain aneurysm, dead any moment, um, a stroke, which could be bad, uh, or just wearing new glasses like these prism glasses. Uh, so I did go to a, a neuro ophthalmologist who said we just got to get you new prism glasses. So 
I'm hoping he's right. He knows what he's talking about. That is his expertise. But he said, still do the MRI and other tests. So yeah. I was wondering if the double vision came about from your black Hebrew Israelite discussion. Cause I know when I had a discussion with black Hebrew Israelites and they told me that Gentile actually meant Jew in a foreign land, I think my eyes crossed and I was like, I think I'm done now. Uh, so maybe that was it. Just rolling no, no. So much. <laughs> it, it was not that because it happened before that. But yes, I did. I did get into really the only reason. So you, you're talking about the fact that when I was in Indianapolis, we were doing a evangelism training with Hearts for the Lost and Striving for Eternity both together. And during that um, event, we we do a training Friday night, Saturday, then we go take everyone on the streets to evangelize. And there were a number of black Hebrew Israelites and I had come up with a new argument. And whenever you come up with a new argument, you want to try it out. And so you want to test it and see how it works. And so when I saw the black Hebrew Israelites, now here's the reality. When I'm in New York city and I'm on the mic and they come up to me, the person with the mic has control. Okay. You can control, but black Hebrew Israelites train their folks even more so because they, if you haven't been familiar with them, they'll have one leader who chants and everyone else knows what they're supposed to chant back and to, to magnify the voice and, and basically drown out anyone that may be trying to dialogue with them. So uh, I was having a good conversation with the first guy who couldn't answer the questions because they argued that the Bible predicts the African slave trade, Deuteronomy, last verse of Deuteronomy, verse chapter 28. They say that's talking the African slave trade because of the word, the one word ships. Everything else in that passage, they take figuratively, except for one word, ships. And ships is literally, you got to make it work. Yeah. So Egypt doesn't mean Egypt. It means slavery and selling themselves without a buyer doesn't mean they sold themselves as slaves without a buyer to like live. It means that they, you know, were redeemed. So, so everything's figurative. And so I just brought up Jeremiah 44. How dare you? Message that talks about the Israelites going back to Egypt, where they sold themselves as slaves, kind of exactly as Deuteronomy said, because they were avoiding avoiding the uh, Assyrian and later Babylonian captivities. And so Scripture tells us exactly what that was. And, and so one of their ringleaders had to come out and try to drown me out. And so I challenged him to come on to my Apologetics live show where we could do a debate. And of course he wouldn't because he'd have to be one-on-one -on -one there and wouldn't have control of a mic. He said, I wouldn't be fair. I said, we'd have equal time and we'd both have a mic. <laughs> That's yeah. not fair, but he did it. He did make sure to let everyone know that we whites would be his slaves. So well, that's what they did. Give the heads up on that. So, yeah, I mean, it didn't get really racist until I mentioned that I'm actually a Levite, like an actual Israelite. And that's when both groups I talked to were like, you know, started with their, their, their racism. And I said, stop well, being racist. <laughs> got to know that in 2023 facts are racist. So yeah. you got to be tread lightly with those nowadays. Anything is racist as long as you're on the wrong side of what they say is the right side. Well, and that's actually what we were hoping to kind of delve into a little bit here, kind of um, more political, I guess, in a sense, mm -hmm. on some of our questions, because that's what we've been talking about a lot. Oh, you want to talk political things? <laughs> well, we want to talk. I am surprised. I've never heard that on religiousness. It's stunning. I know. Ever. <laughs> it's either politics or AI. That seems to be where we're going, but we're going to steer clear. But, you know, 
the Republican uh, presidential forums and debates are just getting ready to roll out. Um, so we kind of wanted to get, you know, uh, a pastor's um, mindset on how Christians should approach politics. You know, what should be our view? Not necessarily, unless you, I mean, if you want to go into specific candidates, sure. But just how should we view candidates? What should be our, what sort of, you know, Christian viewpoint should we bring in, leave out, if any, just how should we address politics? Yeah, well, every four years, I will post an article that's on Striving Fraternity about Christians' role in political activism. And it irritates people. And the reason it irritates people, it seems, is one line, one line that really seems to bother many professing Christians, that if you know the Republican Party's message better than the gospel message, mm -hmm. you're doing something wrong. Yep. And everybody seems to get upset to with this. Isn't yeah. That, oh, it's not that? No. Yeah. I mean, that's, but, but there is a notion within Christianity where they're more politically minded than spiritually minded. Yeah, for sure. And that's the first thing that has to get addressed when we, whenever we're going to start a discussion on politics. Now, as we get into this more, we're going to have to make differentiations between America and other countries because america has certain freedoms <laughs> well sorry i'm, I'm fooling myself <clears throat> we're supposed to have other freedoms that people uh don't have in other countries at least we used to have certain freedoms but america is different and so there are countries where they don't have freedoms to vote even if they have a vote yeah right? mm -hmm. so i would say that as Christians, should we be politically active? Absolutely. I, I would argue it's it's a requirement in America to be politically active. That may not be the case everywhere, but we have a responsibility the way that our country is set up to be politically active. However, we shouldn't be more politically active than spiritually active. And we shouldn't think that or not just think, but to talk as if a spiritual active is not as important as a political active. In other words, there's a lot of people who really seem to have, quote unquote, lost their faith when Trump lost yeah. because they had all of their hope in Trump. Well, I mean, you got to give it to him because all of the prophecies pointed to him, Andrew. So, I mean, that's pretty devastating when all of the YouTube prophets told us that he was going to be a shoe in So, you, you mean all those prophets that could predict the future, but they didn't see COVID coming? I mean, well, 2020 was the year of vision. Ooh. Right. Yeah. They had such good 2020 vision. They missed the biggest thing ever. Well, I mean, it's bacteria, right? It's small. It's difficult. Um, <laughs> but so like when you come to a place where you're dealing, you know, because it's obviously we have primary seasons, but at some point you're dealt a hand with uh, a side, right? You have a Republican nominee. And I guess you could say you're three, third party and, and vote that way. But, you know, a lot of contention came up during the previous elections when it's, you know, someone like Donald Trump, who's not a Christian. Um, but did a lot for um, faithful people in this country, at least as far as like pro-life and these sorts of things. And then you have another candidate that, you know, like President Biden, who is a professed Catholic, um, but then he stands for things that many Christians don't stand for. So how do you handle a situation 
like that necessarily, or don't you? Do you vote third party or just say, you know what, I'm out, best of luck? Yeah, I mean, actually, it, this this these primaries are going to be quite interesting from a Christian perspective because so many Christians for years have argued they vote third party because the Republican and Democrat are not a Christian man that's a Christian person that's running, and they're not pro-life enough and all of this. And and in the primaries, now we actually have a born-again believer that's running in Mike Pence. Yeah. And I'm really going to be curious to see if all these Christians are going to, that said they can't vote for a Donald Trump because he's, his morals and he's, he's not Christian. Well, are they going to suddenly vote for Mike Pence on that, just that one issue? Yeah. My guess, my guess is they won't. Right. Which exposes that that's not really the reason that they were voting third party in the first place. Yeah. Right. And so we have to ask, why are we voting for who we're voting for? We have to remember that when we go in for president, at least, and we vote for a, a man as president, we're voting for president, not pastor. Right. Same for governor and, and everything else. We're not expecting that they're going to be Christian. This isn't a Christian nation where everybody's, a, and actually it never will be, because you can't legislate Christianity. I mean, we had that in history in Rome, right, with Constantine. He tried it and created a bunch of false converts that created the Roman Catholic Church because they didn't want a God-divine religion. They wanted a man-made one. Right. But they wanted all the benefits that the government was giving when they created a man, uh, you know, here's the religion for everyone. You, you can't have, you know, put a, a legislation of a religion. And so what are we voting for? We're, we're voting for someone who's going to support the laws that would be most in line with what the Bible teaches. Mm -hmm. Now, I think comparing a Joe Biden to a Donald Trump, that was easy. I mean, Trump may not be a moral guy, but guess what? Biden is far less moral. So, you know, they, they, hmm? Oh, just the lesser of two evils. I mean, nobody's and, perfect. So it is always going to be the lesser of two. <laughs> correct. And, and for the people who say, well, you you can't, this is why I say the people who make the argument, you shouldn't vote the lesser of two evils, then they better be voting for Pence because yeah. he's actually a born again believer. So now we'll see what the percentage is. Yeah. Put your money they, where your mouth is. Exactly. So. You know, and but you ended up having a whole bunch of Christians being like, "Well, Trump has mean tweets." Um, have you read what Biden says? Because he's he's far worse. I mean, Trump would do mean tweet, what they called mean tweets, to get attention so that the media would cover what he was saying. Mm -hmm. So there was a purpose in that. He he actually said that to the media when they, when they he called that woman horseface. And like, how could you say such a thing? Because if I did, he, he literally said, if I didn't call her horse face, you wouldn't have re reported that I won the lawsuit. So the only way to get people to know that I won the lawsuit was to call her horse face. <laughs> I mean, it's funny that he could tell them that and they still would play into it. But Joe Biden is, is far worse telling you, you know, you, you must do what I say or I'm going to get you fired. I'm going to, you know, you're going to have to lose your job. Right. You you personally face that. We we know for those of us who listen regularly to religionless Christianity, you had to face that. 
with right. the fact of, okay, you, you got to take this vaccine or else you're out of job. Right. That's pretty mean to take people's livelihood away, right? So let's do a comparison. One supports life, one supports death. One, they've been digging for years and years and years trying to find something that they can say he did criminally. And, and now they're finally coming up with stuff that's not actually criminal, but they're trying to make it criminal. And there's not even strong evidence that that exists. And then we got a guy who clearly, ha there's clear documentation that he has been on the take from Russia, China, and other countries, Ukraine, and they don't want to talk about it. They just hide it. They actually waited five years before, you know, for the, for the time to expire where they go up oh, statute of limitation. We can't do anything about it anymore. <laughs> right. I mean, so, that's, and that's kind of what we've been preaching on our show. There is, you know, the qualifications for pastor are far more stringent than for president. Mm -hmm. um, you yeah. know, president, you need a leader pastor. There's a lengthy list of requirements. People don't even like pay any attention to if a pastor at a church, you know, if they're looking for a church, they don't even look into who he is. They're looking at everything else about the church instead of who is this guy teaching us. They do. They put way more thought into who's going to lead the country than who's leading. Well, I know Christ obviously builds the church. He leads the church. But what do you, I have a question um, just on what do you think about Christians who flee secular states? Do you think that that's the right thing to do or, you know? It depends on why, right? So do you flee those states? Is that a mission field? Right. I said it, it, it's time to for parents to leave California. And I said that because California is now passing a bill that says if your child who's, if your child's in public school and they're indoctrinating them with all the transgender stuff, if you don't accept your child, like if you don't set your child up as the authority in your home, if you don't accept your child's claim of transgenderism, they, they will remove that child from your home. Mm. Okay. Crazy. Mm -hmm. That is something where I'm saying, if you have a child that's in the public school system, in California, as a Christian, you risk losing your child. Right. So now, if you want to say, if you have a, a, a mission there and you're doing stuff and you see it as a mission field, yes, there's been missionaries that have gone to mission fields and lost wives and children and had them killed on the mission field. And they continued to do, to, to reach a lost people. Mm -hmm. But most people that are are staying in these states like California are not looking at it as well. This is my this is my my mission field. Yeah, they're, I don't know anybody who's in California for that reason. Yeah, well, there's there are a lot of Christian organizations that are there. Yeah, and they reach out to people that are in that area and serve people in California. But the reality is, is that most people who are staying are staying because that's where their job is. That's where the family is. They're not doing it for, for a mission. And you got to start to weigh out. So, so I could go both ways with it. You know, there's people that say it's got to be one or the other, but the motivation of why are you staying or why are you going? Are you going because you think it's going to be easier to live in a country where more, in a part of the country where more people agree with you? They're not going to be agreeing with you for long. I mean, tyranny doesn't give up. Right. Right. So 
they're they're going to keep fighting. They're they're at that point. If you study history, you know it. They're at the point where they have no choice but to go all out tyranny. Because if they if they allow a fair election, especially with a guy like Trump, he's going to throw them all in jail. I mean, if they if they allow fair elections and and Republicans were to win, they're afraid that the Republicans might do what they did. Right, so they can't they can't risk that. So it's going to be an all out war for the next election. Mm -hmm. There's even some that are trying to make a case that there may not be an election. Wow. They may come up with some excuse to just keep the Democrats in power as is and not allow for an election. So now, has that happened in history before? Sure. This is history repeating itself. So, you know, and that's why some people are saying it's time to flee America. Well, where where else are you going to go? Well, you you can go, there's other places to go maybe, but um you you have to ask yourself the why. But more important than why am I leaving or why am I staying is what does God want us to do in this? Right. Mm -hmm. Argue that God may want some people to, to move to a more conservative state. Mm -hmm. And there is an argument that could made be made politically how that can help because it makes it harder for them to steal some of these these states when it's overwhelmingly conservative and when it get you know if you get overwhelming conservatives they can actually enforce voter id and and voter integrity mm -hmm. which makes it then i mean that people sit there and go well you know look at DeSantis; he won so overwhelmingly because he passed voter id laws <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> they, they had voter integrity and if we did that across the country i think you'd see a big red wave um so I, I think that the reality is that there's a lot of Christians that just make it, it's a yes or no, do or don't type of thing. And I don't think it's that clear. I think we have to evaluate why are we moving? Because if you're, if you're going to pick up and move just because, well, it's, it's more comfortable. So I can live a more comfortable Christianity. What and first, it is kind of the then, same thing. Like you brought up your kids in the public school, if you're you know a Christian family, and then some parents say, oh, it's okay, they're in the school, you know, evangelizing, or they think that their kid is when really their kid is getting swallowed okay. in the world. Mm -hmm. You have to look at the whole family unit too. Are we going to get swallowed up in the world staying in a very, very wicked place? Um, I don't know why people put that pressure on their kids though. Um, their kids are not ready to evangelize. Most kids. And they're most of us aren't really. Yeah. <laughs> They're not ready to go in and, I mean, to start battling with, because they're not battling with their, their schoolmates. They're battling with the teachers when they're younger. Yeah. yeah. And then when they're, when they're older, like in high school, they're not battling with the teachers because the cool, the, the kids rule the, the schools now. Now what they're battling with is the, the, the culture, which is everywhere around them. And that's probably and the so, worst place for temptation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's lot. why yeah. I know you guys are not big on this, but homeschooling would be a really important. <laughs> yeah. We oh, never talk about that. We are <laughs> neutral for us there. Uh, yeah. Um, no, we, uh, we made that choice in our family long ago and um, still feel confident in it. 
Um, but I just had one last question for you. It's still kind of in the realm of politics there. And uh, I'm not sure if you had a chance to get one of the pre-screenings of the Essential Church movie that just came out. Uh, no. When it releases, definitely go and watch that. It's a fabulous movie. Um, but in there, they sort of have a lengthy discussion about Romans 13. You know, what does Romans 13 actually mean? What is it telling Christians? Um, how do we interact with our government, you know, and still adhere to Romans 13? So I'm just curious if you had any thoughts on that, your views um, on Romans 13. Uh, I think that's a fascinating discussion for Christians today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I taught dur during COVID, the tail end of, of the COVID nonsense, I was teaching through First Peter at church on Wednesday nights. <clears throat> and we got into lengthy discussions there because Peter deals with the same thing as Romans 13 of obeying the government. But again, in America, it's a little bit different. So pop quiz for you gives your audience, those of you listening, it's your time, your chance to, to shout out at, at your phone when people look at you weird as you shout answers out. Uh, I, the question is, what is the law in America? And so, so think about this, because America is different. Is the law the president? Is the law Congress? Is the law your governor? You know, what is the law? When when we look at a country like Ro the Roman Empire, Caesar was the law. What he said goes. When you have a king, the king is the one that provides that law. That's what you're obeying. What is the law in America? Well, it's actually none of the ones I gave you. It's the Constitution. That is the law for America. And so when we saw what was going on during COVID, as they were violating the Constitution, the Christian had a responsibility to stand up for what the Constitution says, because that's the law. That's what we don't violate. If they're going against that, then we use the legal means, and, and that's what ended up happening with Grace Community Church, using the legal means to fight the government system that is violating the law. They were the ones that were violating Romans 13. Mm -hmm. And eventually that that was proven out. Yeah, it's funny. We actually, I think, made a video, gosh, probably a year and a half ago or so now, uh, titled The Constitution is Caesar. And, uh, you know, they make a great point in that essential church movie where, you know, they're going back and forth on Romans 13 and they discuss kind of the original views of it, you know, one was the Papist view that said, you know, it's God, church, then state. And then there's the Erastian uh, view, which is God, state, church. And they're like, both of those are wrong. The real view is, you know, God and then church and state are co-equal. You pay God the authority where God um, in the church rules and you pay the state. You know, I wouldn't have a Christian authority to say, I'm not paying my taxes anymore. Ah, the taxes are too high and you're stealing from me. I'm not paying them. Now that's the state's realm, you know, but when they tell you you can't sing a worship song in church, it's not the state's realm. They don't have any authority there. Um, I thought that was a great point for them to bring up. Yeah, this is an argument that gets made within church and family. What what's the is it is it God family church work or is it God church family work? How, what's the priority structure? And I've always said the the it the priority is God, right. Period. And sometimes he makes your family more important than your work, or maybe your church more important than your family. That at any moment, 
he could have different things that he's he become more important because of the needs at the moment. Yeah. And so you have to be more in tune with what is God calling you to do than trying to figure out, oh, I just got this pecking order, so I don't have to think about it. Because it's easy, right? Look, liberalism and legalism are both easy. They require no thinking. Legalism is a bunch of do's and don'ts. You don't have to think. If it's in the do list, I could do it. If it's in the don't list, I don't do it. And, you know, li liberalism is easy. You do anything. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but the right way is requires thinking, is, requires evaluating all the things that you're have to to make a decision on and you think it through he god wants us dependent on him at every step with every decision and so yeah sometimes it's church sometimes it's government we we have to evaluate what's being asked and, and look at scripture and we'll see what god is doing what is it he's calling us to do and so we we have to do that with with each of these things and so I don't think it's this as, as people would like it to be just a clear list so that they don't have to think about it. Right. Okay. That's, that's what people want to do. They want to have it where it's just easy. They, there's no thinking involved, but we, we need to think through these issues. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, look, as, as you know, there's a quote, if, if the world is against the truth, I'm against the world. I think Athanasius said that. I, I don't know. It's it's right over your your right shoulder there. Yeah, I can't so. remember. Uh, <laughs> I'm reading a quote, folks. For those who can't see, I'm reading a quote that is right over his shoulder. <laughs> great quote. Great quote. I stand it is by a great it. Quote. And but that is that's the reality. I mean, look what what was it that Lincoln said when they when they were going to war and they asked if God is on our side? He says that's not the issue. the The issue is are we on God's side? Right. Yeah. This is the question we have to ask all the time. Are we on God's side? Absolutely. Uh, it'd be nice if it was cut and dry, but it is not always that case. But um, no, it requires. Here's the thing, folks. You know what it requires for us as Christians to be dependent upon God for everything in life. We don't want that. Let's be honest with ourselves. We don't like that. We want to be in control. We want to make decisions. We want to be able to just say, well, do this and do that. And, and God wants us to depend on him. That's right. why we don't pray about every little thing. There's some things that I, I think I can handle. I can, you know, figure out on my own or my own willpower. And I'm like, well, I fail in that. I do need God. I need to pray. Well, it's about it's that. interesting you bring up prayer because what is prayer? I mean, as you think about it, do, is, do we need to tell God something for him to know? No. God knows everything. He doesn't need us to pray. It's not like we're informing God. Right. Now, the real thing about prayer is we bring petitions to God because we depend on him. That's what it's about. It's about us depending upon him. So we bring things. And what does that, what does that do within us? It, it humbles us to realize we can't answer these things and we need God. Mm -hmm. Everything that we see is it's, it's around our dependence upon God. And that means we humble ourselves and we lift up God. Absolutely. And uh, I think uh, having a good, strong local church family and faithful Christian friends to bounce ideas off of and um, that sort of stuff, especially when you're wrestling with these tough issues, um, you know, especially Romans 13 type things. And uh, it definitely helps to get wise counsel. Uh, you don't want to be a Christian on an island. You're probably not going to make the best choice in all those situations. Um, you need to have some wise counsel there. So 
Yeah, because what happens is I don't know if you've ever heard the illustration. The guy who got he was rescued. He was stranded on an island, and he was by himself. And they they found him. They come in by helicopter. They go pick him up, and and they said, "Is there anyone else here?" He said, "No, it's just me." And they said, "But we we saw three huts. What what? There's no one else here. Did did the others die?" He says, "No, it's always been just me." They're like, "Well, what are the huts?" He goes, "Well, this that hut that's where I live. That's my house." They're like, okay, what's that one? It's like, oh, that's my church. They're like, well, what's the the other one over there? That's my old church. They're a bunch of heretics over there. Yeah. I've never heard that one. Pretty much it. Yeah. Wow. Wrestled with my own mind and came up with my own conclusion. Sounds about right to me. Um, (laughs) So, well, we certainly do appreciate you taking the time out um, to come by and join us on the podcast. Uh, It's been a blessing. We hope that you can get back to your old self here soon. We're praying for you. Um, and if you do well, I guess maybe hold off on watching the essential church. The movie is too good. Maybe it's so good. You should watch it now and see it twice, uh, at the same <laughs> time, but, uh, wonderful movie. I know you're a big fan of the Puritans. They delve into the Puritan history quite a bit in that movie. So, uh, it might be right up your alley there. Yeah, well, I'm glad to be very religious on religiousless Christianity here, where you are religious, but in a culture that is quite unreligious. Absolutely. Uh, trick all the atheists to come to our show. Uh, <laughs> minutes, But no, we certainly appreciate your time and we wish you well. And hopefully we'll be back on with you here for a theology throwdown in no time. Well, thanks for having me. It's, I always enjoy being with you guys. All right. Well, God bless. We'll talk to you soon. God bless. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, We always enjoy our opportunities to sit down and discuss with Andrew and talk to him and see how he's doing. We do ask that you would pray for Andrew, that he would get better. Um, Whatever is going on with his eyes and double vision and stuff would um, be healed. And um, for our listening recommendation, if you want to call it that, our recommended listening here, um, I heard a great podcast This week, you guys know that we're big fans of Jason Whitlock, and he actually had John MacArthur on his podcast this week, and he was discussing John and really um, in light of the Essential Church movie coming out, Um, but just hearing, you know, John actually explain it and discuss certain things in there is just really great. So if you want to get more of a, uh, I guess, firsthand account from John MacArthur, you can go give that a listen. It was enjoyable. But otherwise, we'll be back on Monday. And then, uh, yeah, who knows what the world's going to throw at us next week. But until then, have a great week. God bless. To those who visit Mickey D's for their favorite breakfast item and then go somewhere else for coffee, give this Mickey D's brew a second chance. The glow up was real. Try any size iced coffee brewed with 100% Arabica beans for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. And pair it with a savory sausage McMuffin with egg for $2.79. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The U.S. Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay with outstanding federal benefits and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp.